This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. This is Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. We're currently recording on January the 30th, 2020, and we just wanted to quickly mention one of our advertisers, Peregrine Acorn Construction, as they're supporting the podcast for the week, and we'll have a brief message from them later on in the podcast. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. Now, normally we talk about multiple articles in a podcast that have been popular for the previous week, but I was on vacation for two weeks in uh, Johannesburg doing safari, and I just got back, and when we were looking at all the performance of the articles that were coming through, there's one that hit the top of the charts, and that's the hundreds of stores to close in Canada in early 2020, so we wanted to focus on just that for this podcast. Now, Craig, could you give our listeners a little bit of a background on the performance of this specific article versus others and why it's kind of special yeah i mean it's definitely the most read article in retail and center in 2020 i mean yeah. we're only a few days you know first month into 20 into 2020 but a bit of history behind this you know just to keep it brief i had some information on a few stores that were going to be closing but then um stuff started happening i started getting messages from various individuals in the know in the industry uh, brokers landlords otherwise uh, even just consumers saying oh my god these stores are closing and uh, i quickly put together and then we started getting news about um you know the major chains that were coming in and closing so um, and I, I don't want to scare people. I'll explain why it's not all bad news. It's just sort of a, a shift that we're seeing. But um, it could be over um, a thousand retailers uh, or a thousand retail locations, just to, to be more accurate, that would close probably from wow. beginning of January yeah. to, say, end of March in Canada. It's uh, yeah. it, it's quite a lot. Well, when you hear there's a thousand Canadian ro- like retail locations about to shutter, the normal reaction for someone is, oh, my God. So... Like, just to give a little bit of a perspective to our listeners and readers, like, is this something that's more, like, alarming, like the retail apocalypse that people keep on talking about? Or is this just something that is, like, a normal ebb and flow of the retail workplace environment as you start coming off of the, you know, the December Christmas season and going into a more of a lull of the January retail Mm, season? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and this happens every year, maybe not quite to this magnitude. Mm. But (laughs) typically what happens is you've got the, you know, the rush, uh, the business, or sorry, the, the business. Uh, holiday shopping season which you know is around November December um, you know from Black Friday to you know Christmas Eve you know all the times that people are you know kind of doing their last minute shopping, shopping. Uh, yeah. you know whatever other religious related holidays or whatever celebrations people might have yeah. um, you know we, we see that happening once that busy time period is over you know for some retailers that do over 30 percent of their sales over those two months so yeah. um, it's very important to them uh, the retailers will sort of examine their operations and say well what do we have to do now um, some of them will say if we don't meet certain targets we have to close certain stores uh, or in some cases you know go bankrupt altogether so mm. um, again yeah. like you said uh, this is a fairly normal normal process uh, I was fully prepared uh, for January in terms of store closings but mm. again there were more than I expected I mean I had an insider I won't say who because we've quoted them a few times in Retail Insider and they actually are the CEO of a retail company um, mm. was saying get ready uh, there's going to be some you know he, he said there was 14 uh 
retailers that were looking at, you know, either going into receivership or, um, 14. you know, looking at <laughs> evaluating their operations yeah. one way or the other That's and, nuts. and bang on. I mean, uh, there, there was a lot of them. We can go for a few of them mm. if you like. Well, and before we get to that, you mentioned in the article that there's over 700 Canadian retail locations that will shutter early this year. Now, can we give a little bit of a perspective? Like, is that like twice as much as previous years or is that just slightly more or is that like drastically more? And there's only like 100 that happened in the previous years that that make this notably higher. Or is it more like, I don't know, anecdotal that you're just seeing more and more people coming to you saying, oh, my gosh, this is what's going on. It's a bit anecdotal. I mean, I haven't Mm, tracked it to be, you know, to be honest, I I hadn't tracked the total numbers in years past. I mean, it Mm. it was somewhat substantial, but I think in years past it might have been two or three hundred, you know, and that includes some of the independents that just might shudder. A lot of them have this year, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, definitely it happens. But I, I think that just the magnitude that we're seeing, I mean, we did not see this type of news coverage in the past in January's in terms of like say mainstream media covering all of these store closings you know like Papyrus and Carlton Cards and Bench and um, I don't even think Thomas Sabo was announced, but it's confirmed because uh, Henry had insolvency insider. Thank you so much, Henry. Thank you, know, you. even sent over the, the the court filing documents for that bankruptcy. So oh, okay, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty substantial. Like I said, this could be a very unusual year in terms of the number of stores closing. Fair. And uh, so to jump into the retailers, we have about six groupings of them. Um, they're big box, then uh, jewelry, technology, homewares, clothing, and stationery. Is there any genre of those that you'd like to tackle first? Yeah, let's dive in. Um, I mean, big box retailers, uh, uh, you know, these aren't really that surprising. I mean, some of these were announced in 2019. So, you know, Lowe's is closing, I think it's 34 stores, 29 of those are Rona locations. 26 uh, are branded. 26? Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry, 26. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we've got that. Um, IKEA is closing its five uh, pickup locations in Ontario, uh, which is a shame. I actually thought that was going to be a really interesting concept. Besides IKEA, though, like an, another big um, announcement that came out recently was the whole Edmonton Holt Renfrew. So that's not surprising that, you know, that was in our list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, we knew that one was coming for a while. Uh, you know, Holt Renfrew closed its uh, Edmonton store on January 11th. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's a sad thing for downtown Edmonton. We talked about it at length, so we'll go into too yeah. many details. Uh, no, totally. The Montreal store will be closing, I think, at some point in March. Um, I, th- I was talking to Maxime. I think we've got an exact date or, or sort of we have an understanding of when it's going to happen. I'll just have to confirm that. But um, and, you know, it's not all bad news for Montreal. I mean, they're getting this incredible yeah. new whole rent for Ogilvy store. You know, Edmonton. Uh, you know, again, we talked about that a bit ad nauseum, but, you know, as you know, some of the big brands didn't feel that downtown Edmonton was a place for them to be as, you know, having concessions yeah. and, uh, you know, West Edmonton Mall scooped up Louis Vuitton. I mean, those are the reasons. Um, uh, and another happened. one that uh, yeah. I think they may have just closed or they're about to close, like we're talking like any day now, I think it actually has, was Zellers. Mm, yes, Zellers. Remember oh, Zellers? <laughs> well, yeah, I totally do. But like when I read this article back earlier in 2019, I was like, thank God. It's like, I thought this was dead and dead a long time ago go but like and it just kept on like sticking around in a way that was just not like what i remembered it as so i was very happy that the nail was in the coffin finally sad because it's been around forever but you know i totally saw this coming i know and it was funny because someone even had a petition to justin trudeau to keep the zellers brand open but zellers died a long time ago i mean yes the the current zellers is not what it was Uh, it's it really isn't um no i mean the last two stores one was in ottawa one in toronto they were they were really clearance centers for Hudson's Bay mm. uh, store product. So, 
Um, you know, the the real Zellers, as it was, you know, it had the Truly brand, I think was one of their, you know, private yeah, labels. Truly, uh, truly. Um, you know, these, those stores, you know, Hudson Bay Company sold those to Target. You know, yeah. and that was actually back in 2011. You know, Target started opening their stores. I think it was in 2013 and 14. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, left Canada in early 2015. Unfortunately, you know, Target's operations in Canada were a disaster for various reasons. Mm. Uh, but you know, those Zeller stores as we knew them, you know, pretty much died. You know, several years ago. And you know, by name, yes, they were two of them that were open. You know, in Ontario, but uh, they they were not. You know, they didn't have the Zeller's restaurants. I don't think they had the Zeddy. Was that that? Yeah, name? no, uh, totally Zeddy. Yeah, you know the. Sp- uh, <laughs> the yeah, the carousel, toy, to- ride, yeah, yeah, the right. ride. <laughs> you know, the stores didn't have that. I mean, it, they were just Zellers by names, so you know it's and clearance. It, you know, and I'm surprised, honestly, that the Hudson Bay Company didn't just call them like Hudson's Bay Outlet or something like that. I mean, uh, that probably would have made more sense. And if they were closing a Hudson's Bay Outlet, which they actually did when they brought Saks Fifth Avenue, or Saks Off Fifth into Canada, I should say. Um, you know, that wasn't met with, you know, too much controversy. People were more excited about the Saks Off Fifth coming in. Uh, I wish they still were excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> They're not doing as well as we would think they would. <laughs> well, and besides the big box, Ben, that we've just kind of tied it up with a bow, the next kind of grouping of retailers was around the jewelry side. And I think that I was surprised that Links of London is packing up shop here. But and on the other end of the spectrum, I was surprised to hear that things engraved was. So what's your thought on the exodus of, you know, on either end of the spectrum of like these poor jewelers that are like heading off? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's going to be some more jewelry stores closing no, as really? well. I know there is. Um, oh. Yeah, Links of London. I mean, that was that was a shame. Um, yeah. I, I really like it. It just came. Like I just saw a lot of news like stores in Vancouver and stuff in opening too. So. So I was I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Part of it was the parent company, Fully Fully Group. I mean, uh, there've been some mm. major issues uh, around there. They overestimated their revenue. I think there was a bit of a, mm. a tax kerfuffle. They got mm. hit by a twenty million euro fine. Uh, oh. uh, you know, financial difficulties. Links of London apparently wasn't making money. I mean, it was expanding quite quickly. So you know, it eventually was, the decision was made that you know Links of London would shutter its entire operations around the world. So it wasn't even just like Canada stores closing. This is you know, a global movement, unfortunately. And it's a bit sad. I mean, I, I was familiar with Links of London when, when it was a fairly new brand. It mm. came into Holt Renfrew as, uh, you know, a, a wholesale brand. Uh, it was really much hyped and, and beautiful stuff, positioned as a luxury brand. Uh, yeah. A bit of an issue with Holt Renfrew years later. Mm. Uh, you know, the brands parted ways as Holt Renfrew was mm. changing its strategy and Links decided to go off on its own and open its own standalone stores in markets that oh. Holt Renfrew was in and in some cases, you know, located near Holt Renfrew stores. So, um you know that that was a shift there but you know unfortunately it's closed and it's it's too bad because i think the stores you know were beautiful looking uh oh, yeah. you know had you know personalization customization i mean they were hitting the trends but i don't know if they really had a, a target market that uh, that they were looking for that made sense and mm. it's tough i mean you got pandora and you've got you know other you know swarovski you've got these retail concepts that are doing similar stuff and uh, you know really captivated the consumer and, and, and it's really competitive yeah well that's true what about things engraved that's the other end of the spectrum right oh uh, we reported. I remember we reported them late 2018. Yeah. Well, and they had that turnaround story that they were like trying to like be more relevant and, but like at the end of the day, like their their explanation seems a little bit like thin to me. Like they're kind of trying to highlight the whole brick and mortar um, retail struggle, but at the end of the day, like I mean, I don't know if I would really purchase jewelry online. So 
uh, do you think that really holds water or do you think really there is like, like a valid issue or is there other things afoot that things in grade had yeah, issues with? I mean, they were, they were quite, I mean, so on the one hand they were doing good things. They were, you know, things engraved. I mean, personalization, you know, that's on trend, especially now. I mean, True. yeah, no, that, that part I think was good, but very much a niche retailer. Um, the retail locations didn't look that exciting. I mean, we struggled to get, you know, good photos for the articles, uh, unfortunately. Um, at the end of the day, I never really saw one of their like full-fledged stores that were out there. I know they existed, but for things engraved for me, it was always their kiosk concept that I was associated. So if I was to recommend um, somebody to go buy something there, it would be more for like a pair of earrings that wouldn't need customizing, that wouldn't necessarily be having a deep value to other than it would look pretty. So if I was to buy jewelry that was a little bit more sentimental, the whole drive-by, drive-through nature just didn't necessarily resonate with me as a customer. So it, it resonated as much as a you know Tim Hortons drive-through or a shotgun wedding in Vegas. So for me, like that was more the issue that I would see that they had as opposed to the brick-and-mortar struggle that they're trying to highlight. Yeah, uh, no, I mean some retailers are doing well. I mean I think that boring retail i don't want to insult anyone but mm. you know sorry everyone that might be but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the boring retail is dying right now um i don't think links of london was necessarily boring but oh. you know with things engraved you know it, it wasn't really a concept that i saw as being overly exciting uh Fair. you know if, you, if you've got a physical store and people are still shopping in the stores it needs to be something that that's interesting i mean if you can go on amazon and, and buy something you know it's a lot, lot easier than going into a store right so yeah <laughs> Well, besides uh, things engraved in Links of London, the other jeweler was mm -hmm. uh, Thomas Sabot, and I think that it's a German company, is it? Yeah, yeah, the Canadian operations. So they're doing a, you know, they'll be doing a liquidation. I don't know if they've started it yet, but, uh, and I saw some stores had closed um, in the last while because there was an announcement, uh, I think it was in 2018, I found the press release. They said they had 16 stores in Canada, but I counted um, about eight. It was kind of hard with their store locator to figure that out. But Now, do you think it's just a tough industry being the jewelry industry, or, or is it just the way the cookie crumbled for these three? Well, it depends. I mean, I don't I don't think jewelry is dead. I mean, I know some of Tiffany's stores are doing really, really high numbers in Canada, and Cartier does really well. And I mean, again, those are a little pricier. Tiffany has some more affordable stuff too, of course. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, consumers are stretched. Uh, I mean, I don't wear a watch. I don't wear a ring. I'm not married or anything. So, um, you know, like I don't wear any jewelry. I don't think I've got a watch. I might wear the odd time, but it's kind of hard to type on my computer with uh, with a yeah. watch and I'm often typing on my computer. So it's I just like don't, I've got a Hublot clank. watch. I don't wear yeah. it. <laughs> like it's, oh my gosh, you have a Hublot watch? Right you know, fork yeah, it over. It was a, it was a gift. Yeah. <laughs> nice gift. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> And now a quick message from our sponsor, Peregrine. They're a team of creative engineers and skilled fabricators collaborating to design and manufacture highly effective retail environments. In 2017, they acquired Acorn Wood Designs, which is an award-winning architectural millwork company focusing on quality craftsmanship and relationships. Visit Peregrine at www.peregrine.build to see their portfolio. And moving on to the technology section, Wow Mobile, never heard of them really, but uh, when I'm looking at their website, it just seems to be a little like lowbrow humor as opposed to inspiring confidence in their network and stuff that, let's say, the bigger players like Telus Rogers and stuff like that are more, you know, straight lipped, you know, just being very like curtain to the point. So what do you think about these, these folks? 
Yeah, and it was an interesting concept. And actually, Retail Insider, we broke the story on, on WoW. So um, what's interesting is we actually had a source. I think they were with Rogers. It's actually a partnership, I believe, between Rogers and Telus. Really? And they created this new brand. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, a co-branded concept. And um, we what year? It was in 2013 because I lived in Vancouver. And, you know, this I confirmed this source, uh, you know, was accurate. And we got to report on this new concept called WoW Mobile, which would be primarily, con, um, what do you call it, kiosks in, in shopping yeah. centers. and. Um, you know, they were really going after the, the value-priced uh, mobile market. Uh, uh, but again, it got very, very, very competitive. I mean, mm. everybody got into, you know, this, right? Yeah, no, every single one of them have their own flanker brands or off-price brands. Like, you know, Fido for Rogers and, uh, you know, Kudu for TELUS. And yeah, I think Bell has one too, Solo, I think, at one point. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And they've been kicking along. I mean, uh, 93, st- I think they're closing 13 of their 93 stores. Uh, we mm. came to that conclusion by the fact that they said 80 would continue to remain operational. So it's only 13 of 93 that are closing. I mean, it's not super dramatic yeah not big but and and besides the wow mobile we also had i think bose that was exiting canada too so tell us about that yeah what a shame i mean um bose i think they had how many stores were left in canada it was only a few i mean they closed we said four in the article i think so only four were left yeah i mean there there were remaining it's four stores yeah. yeah there were more and some of them had closed already and uh uh you know bo i mean they're great i mean i'm i'm using a Bose headset right now as we're talking here, you know, for this podcast, right? And there's a microphone. No, our microphone is from a different provider, but um, they're, they're great quality. And actually, Carl Boutet, who we uh, quoted in the article, I know some mainstream media actually started interviewing him about this as well. So it's, yeah, he was really, really bang on. He says, why would a, you know, brand like Bose be closing its stores when really, you know, that is one of the brands that really has an opportunity to engage with consumers by creating a compelling experience in order to sort of demonstrate their product you know like dyson has just opened this week their vancouver store uh we will have something in retail insider quite soon and uh, yeah i know <laughs> i don't know if we got the photos yet i'm curious to see it because you know the yorkdale one is open we took a little tour there but you know the, with the dyson store you know you go in and you interact with the product you're educated they've got nice people there who will tell you about things apparently you can get like a blow dry for your hair and they'll wash your hair and do stuff like that for their hair dryers and uh, you know you can demonstrate vacuums and you know it's sort of this interactive brand experience which is where a lot of retail is going i think bose really had an opportunity to uh, you know create really great you know, retail showrooms to showcase their products and to interact with their consumers. And if anything, they should have been probably opening more stores. But I suspect, you know, this is a situation of finances where, you know, the company was, uh, you know, s- sinking with, you know, high rents. And, and, you know, that is actually a yeah. challenge for a lot of brick and mortar retailers is, uh, you know, often they're paying premium rents on spaces. Uh, um, you know, landlords may not necessarily be giving, say, a deal on, on rent if things are uh, becoming difficult for some retailers. And it's it just, the fact of life for retail is, you know, if you have physical stores, you know, what are your costs? I mean, it's probably going to be rent and then you're going to have staffing, which will be usually considerably less than the rent. Um, you know, there's, there's the merchandising, there's the marketing, everything else that goes into, you know, being a retailer. But, uh, you know, rents are quite a, you know, big chunk of that. And, you know, I think with Bose, you know, obviously, you know, they made a financial decision to close these things. But, you know, at the same time, we're seeing these experience centers open. You know, Samsung apparently is going to be doing... Um, some pretty significant experience stores across the country. I don't have all the details yet. There are obviously Samsung stores in Canada, but we're talking about next level type of stores. So, 
stay tuned on that. If anyone's listening for any business development, go talk to Samsung. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we're seeing other brands doing it as well. I mean, the Apple stores, you know, Apple is making a big investment in Canada, you know, and those are very much experienced stores. I mean, you go in, you interact with the product, uh, you know, they've got Apple store geniuses um, that I think do live up to their name. I mean, they did amazing stuff when I went in and got my new phone and I'm getting a, you know, computer when the new uh, keyboards come out for the new version that I want. Um, you know, very much, you know, I think retail's becoming, you know, interactive educational showroom that's entertaining. And I think Bose had an opportunity to do something there. And who knows, maybe they'll come back at some point and do something. Maybe they'll rejig their strategy and uh, open some incredible Bose experience centers. Uh, remains to be yeah. seen. I mean, there's an opportunity and there's going to be a lot of retail spaces to do it in as these other, you know, thousand or so, thousand or so stores close in the next, uh, uh, you know, couple of months here. Yeah. When I'm just looking further down our list into the, like, the homeware section, um, I had a question, like, I mean, we talked about like Bentley leathers and stuff like that to Agnosium before, but um, I think it was about this time last year, Miniso was having a big, like going to court and all that kind of stuff. Like what happened through 2019 through till now for Miniso? Yeah. Is it just old news or is there any new developments on that? Yeah, there's new developments. Um, I'm going to have to get back to the investor group. Uh, uh, many so many so has closed quite a few stores uh, most of those were actually franchise locations uh, I had a source I won't say who and I wasn't really allowed to talk about it too much but apparently there's um, a major a major amount of money owed to the Chinese division uh, uh, some are questioning you know, the future of the company in Canada generally but uh, uh, you know it's really become uh, a bit of a nasty situation unfortunately um, quietly a lot of locations have closed we haven't really focused too much on it because it's just been you know such a challenge i was going to use the word shit show it's been such a challenging <laughs> um you know situation with mini so right now that you know i'm we're still trying to figure out where things are going to land i mean there's litigation uh, uh at the same time they are opening some stores i mean they are actually pr proceeding with this which I'm, I'm kind of blown away with we're seeing a lot of competitors um one thing that uh, we'll be reporting on i'll give a little bit of a spoiler for those listening to the podcast because we want you to listen to the podcast i'll give away some bits of confidential information and i'll also get without getting into trouble there's a chain out of china called yo-yo yo-yo so that's right uh, they're coming into Canada um, very, very soon. They'll be opening their first store in Canada in Regina, Saskatchewan. That's because the oh. uh, local licensee franchisee is in Regina. I mean, that's not typically a market we see first to Canada retailers coming in. Uh, I think I was talking to a gentleman in China. We were um, messaging on uh, WeChat. Uh, it was afternoon for him and middle, middle of the night for me. And <laughs> he was saying, I think they want to do 30 to 40 stores to start. So uh, somewhat similar concept to many. So, you know, the Mumu Sos, the... Uh, um, the other ones that I can't remember the names of right now, but uh, they all seem to have SOs in them. And, uh, uh, you know, Di actually Daiso is going to be coming back into Canada in a really big way. Um, there was a bit of a, par oh. a part with um, Omumu, which is actually Vancouver-based. And uh, we will be seeing, um, you know, maybe 100 Daiso stores opening in Canada. So, yeah, listen to this podcast, everyone, because I will give away this type of information sometimes. I'm willing to do it just to get uh, get it, get the successful. <laughs> so, yeah. so Daiso, uh, you know, again, you know, we're going to see a lot of these sort of, you know, variety stores. They're either from, you know, Japan, or China, or maybe they'll be from Korea, or they'll at least pretend they're from Korea, but probably be from China. So <laughs> they'll still exist, and, and there'll be a lot more coming. So, well, what about Pure One? Like, I was surprised that they're going to probably shutter like almost half of their stores around the world. It looks like, or yeah, yeah. I mean, and they haven't announced where and what and how many. And I mean, they said about half of them. Uh, sometimes when you hear stuff like that. And you look at the Canadian market, I mean, if they're not succeeding in Canada, they could actually just pull all of their stores. I hope that's not the case, but I've seen it happen before, so I do speculate sometimes. Uh, 
Uh, you know, Pure One's interesting. You know, it's it's got you know nice products. Uh, the prices aren't you know terrible. I mean, they're they're not the highest, and they're not the you know, they're not IKEA, and they're not you know Ethan Allen um, at the high end. But uh, or or you can go much higher than Ethan Allen, Armani, and you know, there's Fendi, and yeah. you know there's some really you know high end uh, furniture out there. But um, you know, I mean, again, there's a lot of competition in the furniture uh, space right now. Uh, you know, at all price points in Canada. Uh, also, people are, you know, moving a little bit less uh, in terms of, you know, it's really reliant on, uh, uh, you know, people's incomes, you know, people's mobility. Uh, it, it's challenging. And, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully Pier 1 will, uh, you know, keep some of their stores in Canada. Um, but there are some big names in the clothing, clothing section, like as far as Bench, The Gap, like that, La Senza too, that also went through some troubling stories here. So kind of touch upon those two, Craig. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, clothing brands... Um, so I've got an update on Licenza, uh, which has been out in the news. Uh, there's some suppliers that are looking at putting the American division into uh, bankruptcy, and uh, that mm. will affect the Canadian division. So I counted, I think it was 108 stores in Canada that Licenza has. It could be a little bit more than that. Uh, there, I was already told that 17 of those stores were closing, but you know, as an update, you know, if this bankruptcy goes through, um, all of them could close, unfortunately. And I, wow, yeah, it's 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 sad. I mean, it's you know, founded in Montreal, you know, it's now American-owned. I think Regent out of Beverly Hills owns it. Uh, they bought it from L Brands uh, last year, I think, or about a year ago, I should say, because it was I think late 2018, but we're early 2020, so we're at that crossroads. But uh, you know, we could see you know a major. Canadian brand, or at least a brand that was founded in Canada, go under, and that's too bad. But you know, I was told um, that you know some of these Licenza stores are really struggling. Uh, I think it was in 2019. I won't say which shopping center because uh, it might surprise people, but uh, the shopping center is Licenza saw something like their sales go down 40 percent in one year, uh, which is really really shocking. That's um, shocking. I think yeah. that a competitor, Levion Rose, had opened in the same shopping center, and Levion Rose actually does quite well, I think, in terms of their sales. Uh, mm, yeah. in the same mall, actually, the same mall did have Victoria's Secret till uh, last week. But what's going on with the Gap? Like closing at least nine of its stores? Yeah, I mean, and the Gap has quietly closed a few stores in the past. Um, you know, I, I really hope that it, it sticks around. I mean, you know, the Gap has a great history to it. You know, San Francisco-based, known for its basics. In the 80s, it was really hot. I mean, that's where we mm. were all going when I was a teenager, you know. The, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, the jeans, the white T-shirt, you know. And I don't know. I mean, the, the Gap kind of seemed to have lost its way over the years. I mean, the question is, you know, where is its relevance as all these other chains have come into Canada and as well as globally, right? Uh, you know, I think it, in the 90s, try to get a little more colorful with its offerings, but then it just sort of, you know, created fashion collections that I don't know if were, they were really resonating with consumers. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we saw, you know, a dressier period of time. Then we saw, you know, more recently, you know, a movement towards streetwear. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the gap had really kept up in that respect. So certainly in years past, we'd seen some gap stores close. Like yeah. I'm thinking in Vancouver on Robson Street where Muji is. No, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I was actually told, I won't say the source, but that um, the, there was a gap kids separate store that actually was doing higher sales on, on Robson Street than the adult store, which was actually quite a bit larger. So um, I thought that was quite interesting. That's you know, shocking. It is, yeah. yeah. So we have seen, you know, the gap quietly, you know, retreat uh, from Canada in terms of its stores. Uh, I think I counted now nine locations that um, have either cl already closed or actually, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh, they have all, all nine of them are closed as of Sunday uh, of last week, like oh. a couple days ago, or a few days ago now. 
uh, unfortunately, and they've been across the country as well. So, you know, the last, you know, full-size Gap store in the city of Vancouver closed. It was at CF Pacific Center. Uh, I'm hoping the brand does well. I mean, uh, there was going to be a split between Old Navy and the Gap, where Old Navy was going to be spun off into its own company because it was successful, but it it too has, uh, I think, seen a bit of a downturn in sales, so they're not going to be doing that split. Uh, I, th- I sort when I heard about that split between Old Navy and the Gap, which the Gap, the Banana Republic would be under the Gap label. Uh, my thought yeah. was, well, is this the beginning of the end for those brands? Like, are they looking at spinning yeah. them off so Old Navy would be the only brand and you close the Gap and, and you know Banana Republic? I mean, I would hope not. But and the last one I wanted to touch upon in the clothing section is Bench. Like, I mean, that's a rather well distinguished name that's suddenly closing. Uh, I think it's twenty four stores. Yes, uh, Bench. Um, is, yeah, it's closing. You know, it's a UK UK based. Uh, actually, is it, UK? it is UK based brand. Sorry, but I have to check on that. Uh, yeah, the. I mean, but I guess one question we have to step back and ask is, what did Bench stand for as a brand? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think it was kind of. I like, kind of felt like a skater brand is what I keep on thinking. Like you know, the hat that with the brim that's straight across kind of thing. Like something I would see Drake walking down, watch you know, wearing is kind of what I think of Bench. Yeah, I mean, I always thought kind of casual wear. I mean, there's a lot of that out there, right? I mean, when's the last time I shopped at Bench? I don't know, probably never. Um, I unfortunately, don't think I ever have yeah, no, I mean, we're probably responsible for it going under. <laughs> But no, I mean, it wasn't a really a brand that resonated. I mean, maybe I'm too old, but it wasn't something that really caught my attention as being yeah. a place I wanted to shop at. I'm just looking no. at the photo in our article, and it's like this guy in this kind of a pretty plain puffer jacket. You look in the windows, yeah. and it's like, oh, you know, well, I can go up the hallway to Uniqlo and get the same thing, probably maybe for less money, and maybe with, or you know. Aritzia now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they sold out. The men's jackets <laughs> sold. They sold out. I couldn't believe it. I didn't really like them. I thought they were, you know, the State Puff Marshmallow Man type of style, but apparently... <laughs> And I'm really thinking women bought them for their uh, male companions or dads or uncles or sons or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> People. People, yes. yeah, whatever men. Like, that's probably, you know, probably women bought them for their men type of thing. Because right. I don't know how many guys are going to walk into it. Some guys will walk into a Ritz. Yeah, I, I walk in mainly just actually Holt Renfrew Center to go down the It's escalator. a pretty store, I have to say. Like, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. Not that I was looking Aritzia at the has beautiful anything, stores. Yeah, I really like. Yeah. I I think Aritzia has done a really good job as a retail concept. You know, they, uh, yeah. you know, women seem to love it. I mean, those stores are often packed with you know ladies shopping and men confused shopping for their female companions yeah. or whoever. <laughs> Help me. I, I, I think I was in there with my brother. Yeah, one time looking for something uh, for his wife, and uh, you know, yeah, it's sort of one of those experiences. But yeah. um, with Bench, I, I don't know. I mean. I, I mean, if I can't even describe the concept, I mean, the the why that yeah, totally get I'm it. I'm probably not yeah. the only one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it never was a brand that really resonated with me as being something that you know even registered on my radar. I I didn't know there was 24 stores in Canada. I knew there were yeah. some, but and I just. Yeah, I mean, no. maybe it's not a big surprise that it's going under, unfortunately. No. And we can probably say that about quite a few of the retailers that are closing stores. But what I'm really sad to see go is Papyrus. Like, I loved going into their stores and getting these really kind of cool and very expensive cards and leaked through them all. Like, I'm my one of my dark pleasures was to go through all the Hallmark cards and kind of find the special one. Um, but like, so Papyrus is like, for me, the one step up of like, it's like the creme de la creme kind of gift, like cards for every occasion, right? So I'm sad to see that they're shuttering all 18 locations. And I was surprised that Carlton Cards is also linked to them. So it's not surprising that if one's going, then both of them are going. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Papyrus owns Carlton Cards in Canada. Um, honestly, I wasn't aware of that until this all happened. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually did first-person research. I went into, I was down in the first Canadian place. I went to Papyrus and went to Carlton Cards. And, and they Carlton, they explained that they were owned by Papyrus. And, uh, you know, that is, how many stores does Carlton have? It's quite a few. Um uh, and there's, it says there's 10 stores in BC, 8. I have to do math. That's not going to work. Yeah, oh, that's okay. No, I, I put together a list. I didn't actually put the full list in there. I did, I did a, a tabulation just when I was doing the article because I had to do that count of the stores at the end. But it's quite like it's approaching 100 for both of them. So I think this is pretty much uh, everything. Like we've gone through all the different big box um, stores and stuff like that. So 700 retail locations or we'll be shuttering this quarter. But Craig, is there any like positive spin to this that you can kind of like leave this on a positive note? Yes. I mean, even though we're seeing a lot of stores close all of a sudden, I know this is creating a little bit of a panic, but uh, I really do think that we're seeing a shift in the industry. Um, You know, I reached out to a few different experts as I was writing this and have subsequently spoken to people and they said, well, actually, there are a lot of stores that are going to be opening. Um, We're seeing a lot of interest from international retailers that are looking at coming into Canada, traditional fashion retailers. You know, I think we are seeing a shift in uh, retail in Canada. We're not seeing this retail apocalypse as this, you know, narrative has, has come to be. I know that, uh, you know, in the United States, there's been some challenges, but even there, I mean, what, retail sales grew up 3% on average last year. I mean, it's it's not the end of the world. So, uh, you know, it's a shift in the industry. Um, I think that, you know, once we get past this little blip uh, in the spring we won't see nearly as many store closures and we'll kind of wait and see how the year goes and then you know we'll report back in january of uh, 2021 god that sounds like it's so long from now it's <laughs> it's 11 months yeah. from now and i think that's pretty much a wrap for the podcast craig so thanks for going through the popular article for the week and we just wanted to remind everyone that we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every morning with a link to the canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day as well as links to our exclusively published articles on retail insider so if you go to retail-insider.com you can find the subscribe area at the bottom of the uh, website and you can get that email into your inbox every morning so thanks for listening to this podcast and do subscribe to be notified when new episodes are published and to help boost our discoverability ratings so thanks again everyone and see you next week thanks everybody